0: What is the pair of hands trap and are you in it? Welcome to the Enough Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan, and in every episode, we talk about how high-achieving professionals can permanently ditch the nine-to-five and repackage their strengths and passions into a profitable, purpose-driven consulting or coaching business. Today, I'll be talking about the positioning traps that can hold consultants back from their impact and earning potential. So to set the context for what do I mean by these positioning traps, I need to take you back in time to 1997. So imagine me as a brand new graduate with my brand spanking new organization development master's degree, and I was excited. And I was super excited because I actually had a formal role within my organization at the time. I was working as a nonprofit and I was an actual internal organization development consultant. And I could not believe my good fortune when my company announced that they were gonna go through a major reorganization of the headquarters functions. And I was just waiting to find out when I was going to be leading this project. And not only was I not leading the project, they had an external consultant come in and he was leading the project. I was not even on the project team. I was nowhere involved. And here's me with the formal role to help an organization develop. And I wasn't even a part of it and I was crushed. And thankfully I had a professor who was acting as my mentor at the time. And he gave me the best advice that trans- transformed my entire career. And I believe led me into the brand messaging and positioning that I do now. What my mentor told me is people really don't get what you do, even though you have the formal role, even though they're paying your salary, and they don't really get what you can offer. And what he told me that I needed to do is I needed to go offer my availability. And I had to find my way in and I had to create the role that I envisioned that I wanted to have in this project. And I went and did that, I went to talk to the VP and I offered my availability. And eventually I took over for the external consultant and I got all of these skills that I was able to use, which allowed me to get my role as an internal consultant at Walt Disney World. And what I learned in that moment and that I'll be sharing with you in this episode is if we wanna be treated and paid as a strategic partner, if we wanna do the strategic work that we envision is possible for us, It's up to us to position ourselves that way. They're not going to invite us in. We have to advocate for our contribution. And if we don't do that, we are going to default into one of the positioning traps that I'm going to be talking about in this episode that will stand in the way of both the difference we can make and the income that we want to earn. So positioning is everything to me. And the thing about this positioning is I think this is a theme for me that has carried me through my consulting and my entrepreneurial career, including what I do now as a brand messaging and positioning strategist. So when I got to Disney, I was able to consult with the executives on the strategic projects I mentioned in the last episode. Not because they asked me to consult on those on those projects, it's because I positioned myself to do that work. I proactively advocated for the work approach that I thought was best and my role in that work. This positioning perspective is so important and it's everything that is behind my approach to landing work that I call partnership setup. And this is what has allowed me personally and how I've helped my clients take these small requests, maybe for a four or five figure um, opportunity and turn it into a six figure engagement. And the thing from a marketing standpoint is the truth is, is that this role of a strategic partner and executive advisor isn't on the org chart, and it shouldn't be on the org chart, which is what I'll explain more about why in this episode. So what you want to do from a consulting standpoint, if you are interested in the strategic projects that really transform how leaders operate and how work gets done, it's not going to be on the org chart. It's going to be something that you're going to have to advocate for. So to make sure you stay out of the positioning traps and take charge of your positioning, I created a cheat sheet. And what I would love for you to do is head on over to www.betsyjordan.com. And remember, Jordan's with a Y, not an A, forward slash consulting, hyphen approaches. Get your copy and it'll help clarify everything that I'm going to be talking about as it relates to these positioning traps and how you can make sure that you are not falling into them. So now let's talk about the positioning pitfalls and get into the content of this episode. So the first trap I want to talk about is the pair of hands trap. It is the most common trap that most consultants and coaches fall into, especially if they're working for large organizations. And what happens is this, somebody calls you up, you're on a discovery meeting or free intro call and they say, oh my gosh, I really want your help. And they have a specific solution in mind. You're in the pair of hands trap is if your response to that specific solution is, Absolutely, yes, I for sure can do that. So, they might ask you for training. This is the one that I've been asked for the most when I was an organizational consultant because that is the natural go to thing that people think about is like, oh, we're having problems. We probably need a training program. And one thing I know for sure is training is often necessary, but rarely sufficient. But a lot of my clients, when I first start working with them, don't really get that. So, what they'll say is, absolutely. You know, how many people for how many days or If a client might ask for coaching? You say, great. You know, how many people do you want me to coach? And for how long? That kind of thing. If you just say yes, and if you don't take a beat, you will fall into the pair of hands trap. So I want you to visualize if you're where the positioning would be if you're in the pair of hands trap and just picture an or a typical org chart. So you've got the leader, they've got their direct reports. If you are in the pair of hands trap, you're virtually one of the direct reports of your client. And the reason why this is so easy for us to fall into is it's really congruent with how we might have gotten jobs in the past. You know, it matches like your clients are going to ask you to be in the pair of hands trap because this is how they post for jobs and how people land them. This is how you got jobs in the past. Employers had an open position, you apply for them, you convince your employer you're the best candidate. So you're just taking your job search skills and you're applying it to your business development and your process for landing clients. And inevitably you wind up with an employer employee type of relationship. You know, it's also how professional services firm work, like your accountant or lawyer, you know, people just hire you for those things. So it's familiar. But the problem is, so here's where it's a problem from the client standpoint. In my experience, the client is never right. They rarely diagnose the problem he, she, or they are facing accurately. It's not because they're bad. It's just that they're too close to the situation. And this is why they need a consultant or coach like you. They need that objective perspective. One of the first times that this really, really hit me was when I was an internal consultant at Disney and one of the leaders asked me to go out and and ask the managers to figure out what kind of resources they want. She felt like the managers did not have enough resources to do their job. And I went out and I did all of these focus groups and I found out every leader, every single leader I talked to, they're like, we've got plenty of resources, but we're really having this other problem. And they brought up this other problem very consistently. The leader I was working with is a really smart leader. So I didn't question her at first, but when I got into the work, I'm so glad that I went off and I did that assessment, is I would have helped them invest in an expensive Band-Aid if we went through an initiative around how to get more resources. It would have been a very expensive Band-Aid. And here's the other thing from a client standpoint, what happens to them if we give them these expensive Band-Aids? They invest in solutions, but they don't really solve their problems. So the problems continue. They spend money and they spend money off of their budget. And that doesn't necessarily look good for them. And it has a very negative impact on their leadership brand and their reputation. But I really want you to think about what happens with the rest of the organization that they lead. So depending on whatever it is that they ask you to do, it might really... annoy their stakeholders, their employees, or make things worse. I mean, just imagine employees going to training that they really don't need, that doesn't seem on point. You know, they might pick up a skill here and there, but they get really frustrated that they were taken out of their role for the day, their workload has increased, and it's really frustrating. You know, or we can make things worse. Another situation I was in after I had left Disney and I started my own consulting business, I was asked to lead a strategic planning session for a company that was in major aggressive growth mode. They just they wanted to expand and they wanted to acquire other companies and they were in this huge aggressive growth mode. And I was thinking, well, strategy. Everybody needs strategy. So I was gonna go ahead and deliver it. But like, no, I think I'm gonna I need to go back and maintain my positioning as that strategic partner. And so I pushed back and I suggested, let's do an assessment first. And I found out that this organizational capacity was like at the bottom. This leader had been pushing and pushing and pushing their employees where they had nothing left. They were just wiped out, burnt out. If we would have went forward with that strategic planning without doing that assessment, I don't even know what would have happened to those employees. I think most of them would have walked out. They would have been so frustrated. So you could really make things worse for your clients if you just give them what they want all the time. And the other thing too is when we're brought in, everybody's expectations get raised either their hopes in a positive way or their fears so we really need to manage things in a way that's going to serve the entire system and one thing you and i both know is people and organizations hate what they would call those flavor of the months, those solutions that go nowhere, or they don't address real issues. When a client does things like that, it actually reduces trust. One of the things that I learned early on about assessments when you do employee engagement assessments, and if you ask for people's feedback, what's interesting is if you act on it, and there's implementation of it, trust scores go up. But if employees give feedback, and you don't respond to it, trust scores go down, 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 into the toilet down. And so we can create a lot of problems if we don't suspend our own issues, our own fears about not getting the work, and we just go forward with a solution that a client may or may not need and actually can create worse situations. So let's talk about the impact to you, the pair of hands trap on you and your in-cup. What happens when you are that yes person is it puts you in the endless chase for smaller paying non-strategic projects. So what you might do to alleviate this pressure, you might go and become a subcontractor in different places, and then you're going to get capped with your earning potential so I'm not I'm trying to judge people who choose to be a subcontractor. It's definitely a viable business model. I just want to make you aware of some of the drawbacks if you choose to go down the subcontracting route. So subcontracting may seem appealing, especially if you hate marketing. So what happens with subcontracting is maybe more established consultants or a firm will go and land work, and then they're going to bring somebody like you in. And what they're going to do is they're going to pay you a fraction of what you could earn if you were able to land the work yourself. You put yourself in a non-compete situation where you can't easily parlay one engagement into another. And so what's really hard from this standpoint is it may feel like, yay, I got some work, but you're leaving money and opportunity all over the table. You're going to have a really hard time. One of my clients was just telling me about an opportunity that she has where she is having the opportunity to be a subcontractor under somebody else. And we went and did the math and she's making a fraction of what she normally would if she can go out and land the work herself. And here's the hard news. I'm just gonna give you just some hard feedback is if you network to find subcontracting opportunities, you're still marketing, it's just not in the most powerful way. So if you want to be a, a strategic partner to your clients, and you want to shape their thinking around what they need to do in order to create work environments that everybody could show up and be their authentic selves and set themselves up for long-term sustainable profits, you're not going to seem credible to the senior leader if you come in as a subcontractor. You're not going to seem credible if you are this pair of hands trap, because what they love from consultants and coaches is our independent point of view. It's our ability to hold our own and push back and give them something to, to bounce their ideas off of something that's firm and strong and something that will give them someone who will give them a different perspective because no one else in the organization has that broader perspective. Yes. Our pushback might frustrate them, but they love that. So you need to be able to own your power and be seen as an equal to them in order to take their, your advice and your guidance and what you're speaking truth to them about seriously. And so you have to be able to position yourself from the get-go to be somebody who can raise difficult issues. And if you're an order taker to their requests, you're not going to be able to be seen in that particular way. The fear is, is if you don't give a client what they want, you won't land the work. But the reality is you might land a particular contract, but you're not going to land the full on engagement. And in my experience, uh, if you have the ability to give a client what they need, you're going to have a client forever. You're going to have a raving fan forever. So I get the money and rejection fears. They are very real, but I would encourage you to just stay confident in the world of abundance and stay confident in your expertise and know that you want to do what's in the best interest for the client and that is to give the client what they need. So now let's talk about the second trap that a lot of consultants might fall into and that is the surrogate leadership trap and this is basically when you just tell a client what you think that they should do. That's just the main role. Like, so I'll give you an example. So I was working with John and he was a marketing consultant and he was so much of a surrogate leader that he tied his compensation to the business results of his clients. And so you could think on some level, like that's great because a client might say, wow, I have somebody who has a real vested interest in my business. But after a while, this leader just got so frustrated because John, who's a former pilot and a a former military type of person, was very, very courageous, I'll just put it that way, in telling this client exactly what they needed to do. And this client started feeling very disempowered, felt like that she was competing with John for the leadership of her own business. And so there's a real problem or a real challenge here. So picture in the org chart that if you're the surrogate leader, you're setting yourself up where the client is your direct report, you're above your client. And so the reason why people might fall into this trap, as I mentioned, is if command and control is one of your strengths finder themes, if this is like your natural go to strength, of course leading is what you know. So if this is your natural go to place and this is your strength, that is great. But you just have to learn how to lead, but from influence, not from this type of directive type of approach. So let's talk about the circuit leadership trap and the problems that it creates for your clients. And the biggest thing about this particular trap is they don't own it. They don't own their own responsibilities or the work that you're engaged in. So let's say, for example, you have a client. So let's say you're in the circuit leadership trap and you have a client and this client has a really difficult employee situation, got a lot of complexity. They're terrified of dealing with it. They are terrified of performance management. So they go to you and they're like, hey, could you go in and give this employee the difficult feedback on my behalf? Because it's just too hard and too complicated. There's too much on the line. And if you say, sure, absolutely, I'm gonna go and do that. What you're doing is you're, standing in the, in the gap for where your client really should be because they are the leader. This direct report is their accountability and their performance is their accountability. So you're keeping your client from doing what they really need to do. So you might think like, well, what's the big deal? You know, I, you created some value there. But I want you to think about it from the employee perspective who had this third party consultant share information that they should be hearing from their own leader. And the other thing is think about that leader themselves, you know, that you're capping their growth and their, what they, in an area that they need to grow. If this leader is really wanting to grow their business, or if this leader is really trying to grow the ladder, they're going to have to learn how to be effective in performance coaching, right? And so if they don't do this, they may not, everybody else in the organization may not know what they're doing, but in their own inner thoughts, they know they look weak and ineffective. And so it's going to affect their own self-esteem as well. So what you want to be able to do is let the leader own their responsibilities and not take over them. Even if you are more skilled, you want to train and create transfer of learning to the other person. Think about it this way. Surrogate leadership could look a little like this, using another analogy. So think about it, like, let's say there's a husband and wife and they're going to a marriage counselor because they've got some challenges. They've got some communication challenges and the wife doesn't feel like the husband loves her or affirms her. So instead, so here's the counselor. So instead of saying, hey, let me help this husband respond to the wife need, the marriage counselor steps in. And he's like, you know what? I'm better than that. And then that person offers the love and affirmation that the wife needs. Like that does not work. Similarly, you don't want to step between the leader and their direct reports and their responsibilities. And then the other thing, there's problems for you that come out of this trap. If the work fails, you're the fall guy. You're the one who will be blamed. And like I was mentioning with my client, John, disempowered leaders will eventually get frustrated with people who are too aggressive, especially if they are consultants. And the other thing for you is you can find yourself in these labor intensive projects or a fractional leadership role where you're working as many hours as you were when you were an employee, which in many of these cases, you wind up charging by the hour, which caps your earning potential as well. So I want to talk a minute about fractional drawbacks because there's nothing wrong with the fractional leadership type of model, but there are some drawbacks. So I'm not judging anybody who chooses to go down this path, but I want to talk about the drawbacks and I know them really, really intimately because my husband's a fractional CFO who's working on transforming his particular business model. And what he loves about being a fractional CFO, what's is so great is he loves the opportunity to work with a lot of different companies in a lot of different capacities, especially these smaller companies that couldn't afford the kind of services that he offers. But the challenge that he's facing, that if you're in that fractional role, is sometimes it's really hard to scale and getting out of the time-based pay unless you build a team similar to what you had before. The other thing that gets challenging about the fractional role is that you're just doing part-time work but you're doing part-time work that you've always done. So if you're up for a reinvention and you want to be creative with your work, you may not want to do all that day-to-day work. But then the other thing that my husband runs into is not having the position to develop his leaders. So when he's dealing with some of his clients who are making difficult financial decisions or strategic decisions or aren't thinking about things from a marketing standpoint, he's in the CFO chair. So he's not set up to do the coaching that he really wants to be able to do and should be able to do because he's in this CFO chair. And so there's a lot of things that he could be offering as a seasoned business owner and a business leader that he could be providing to his clients. So there are some of those challenges as well. So those are the two traps. So there's the pair of hands trap. There's a surrogate leadership trap. And they look like they're on a continuum. So what I want you to do is imagine a continuum. On the left side is the pair of hands trap and on the right side is the surrogate leadership trap. And so they look like they're on opposite poles, but I want you to imagine this bar and this bar is like a steel beam and you're taking this bar and you're like bringing these two sides next to one another. And the pair of hands trap and the surrogate leadership trap are flip sides of the same coin. It's kind of like the coward and bully archetype are basically the same. So like if you're encountering a, a bully, underneath the bully is a coward and underneath the coward is a bully. They're kind of like the similar kind of energy where it's just about ineffective use of power, if you will. So where's the solution here? Your position and goal is to be the opposite of where this the um, pair of hands and surrogate leadership trap are, which is in the middle, which is somewhere where you are this equal peer to your leader and outside the system. That's where you wanna visualize. So put that org chart in your mind of saying, you're not above, you're not below, you're not even right next to your executive client who might be the leader you're outside the system you're not on the org chart and you don't want to be you want to be coming alongside the system and the leader to help them and equip them and empower them that's where you would want to be so in that cheat sheet that i mentioned i lay out uh, on this continuum a lot of types of consulting approaches you know if you just as a reminder go to www betsyjordan.com forward slash consulting hyphen approaches. And you'll see that there are six approaches that I take you through from the left side, which is the pair of hands trap to the right side to the surrogate leadership trap. And in this, there's six approaches. One is the solution specialist. So going from left to right, which is someone who has a specific tool or approach that they sell. Moving to the next level, there's the executive coach and somebody who helps individuals grow. And then you move to the next one, which is the process leader, somebody who identifies root causes and sets the agenda and facilitates the processes for leaders. The next one's the expert advisor, somebody who provides expert opinions. And then the next one's management consultant, someone who uses their subject matter expertise to recommend solutions and best practices. And then there's the project manager or somebody who oversees the actual work getting done. So they're all on this continuum from the pair of hands to the surrogate leadership trap. Where you're going is in the middle, wherever your starting point is, try to go to the middle. What you want to be able to do if you're a strategic partner is you want to empower executives to solve their own problems within the context of the system that they operate within. So you want to balance between offering the strength that a surrogate leader might have and the support that a pair of hands might have. And you want to bring it together in the middle where you are a sounding board and a process leader. So as a process leader, you help the client figure out how to accomplish what they want to accomplish. But as this sounding board, oh my gosh, the value, the value that you have as a thinking partner, you offer something that no one else in the organization can, no one else can. You know, number one, from an executive standpoint, it really is lonely at the top. So when you position yourself this way, you can see the organization from their point of view and give them an even broader perspective. You bring objectivity, which is a premium because everyone else that's surrounding this executive that you're working with has a dog in the hunt and they have their own very personal agenda. And then the best thing as this sounding board, this think partner is you can use your quality questioning to help your clients refine their own understanding of what they're thinking, which will make the right decisions of what they need to do obvious. So you can help them in so many ways, but you can't help them unless you position yourself in this middle road that I'm suggesting. And so when you are in the middle, you can maximize your impact and your income. You can help your clients solve the right problems in the right way with the buy-in and support. You can accelerate their results and their growth and you can make the most of all your leads, all your opportunities. If you're not a big fan of marketing, this is a huge benefit because you can extend your client engagements to be worth so much more. You can improve your brand perception. You can do so much if you go for the middle. Let me give you a specific example. So one of the clients I worked with for uh, quite a while, her name is Lisa, and she had this opportunity to go into an organization to who was asking her to do a conflict resolution training. And so she was in that pair of hands trap. And so we have been working through a lot of coaching to get her out of that pair of hands trap. And what I taught her to do is to do what I would say is the most important pivot in the discovery meeting, moving the client from wants to needs. And what we were able to identify is this conflict resolution training was actually tied to a bigger issue that was going on in the organization, that there were issues in the production line, they were dealing with a lot of failed lots, it was costing tons and tons of money. And we were able to quantify a much bigger project. And Lisa was positioned against that project. And she wound up taking this 10,000-ish request, and she turned it into a $200,000 gig, plus plus, and a long-term trusted advisor type of relationship with the client. So it's huge because she was able to solve the right problem in the right way. She was able to maximize her impact. She was able to have this relationship. And because she did great work, the client was thrilled and recommended her. And you can go on and on from there. So there's huge value to positioning. But the key thing I want to emphasize about this positioning is it starts long before a client ever requests more info about working with you. It begins with how we position ourselves in the market, how we frame our products and services, and the approaches that we use in our marketing. So if you want to be positioned and paid as a peer to the C-suite, you've got to take charge of every single touch point a client has that influences how they see you. So it's going to be really hard to land these big client opportunities if you have a website that doesn't look all that great. You know, or if you are if you are just trying to sell certain methodologies it was filled with stuff lots of different methodologies. So here's what I would love for you to look at for just a second is look at your positioning on the whole. You know, have you clarified who you serve and the value of what you do and what makes you different? Do you have a website that is credible, that attracts and converts clients, or have you settled for an online brochure? When you choose marketing methods, are you using marketing methods that establish you as an expert? You know, like, for example, if you go to networking events, are you just going as a participant or have you pursued a role as a speaker at those events? You know, are you creating content? That kind of thing. And then when a client expresses interest in working with you, do you know how to pivot them? Like I was training Lisa on how to pivot them from wants to needs, or do you create a proposal with options and value-based pricing that keep you out of that trading time for dollars trap? So let's recap what we've talked about with regards to the positioning pitfalls. So number one, there are two positioning pitfalls that consultants can easily fall into, the pair of hands trap and the surrogate leadership trap. The pair of hands trap is where we position ourselves as a virtual direct report of a client and we give a client whatever they ask for. And it's the most common because it's most like the way that we got jobs in the past and because of those ever present money and rejection fears. The surrogate leadership trap is the one where we position ourselves as the virtual leader of our client and tell them what they should do. And this is the trap that people who are naturally gifted with command and control fall into. The fourth point that I want to emphasize as a recap is the solution to both of these traps is to move to the middle between those two traps, to seek a positioning as a peer to our clients and outside the system, and to choose a role where we own the processes our clients use to solve their own problems, and thus transferring new knowledge and skills to them that will create results long after we leave the organization. And number five, the positioning as a peer and a strategic partner is the path to both our impact and earning potential, and it begins long before we meet our future clients. So let's talk about some next steps. Number one, go ahead and download my free cheat sheet at www.betsydorton.com consulting hyphen approaches. In this cheat sheet, you'll be able to figure out where do you fall on the continuum between to surrogate leader, and you'll be able to figure out where you are today, and more importantly, where do you want to be? So that's your first next step. Number two, do an audit, again, on all of your clients' touch points that influence how they position you. Look at your online presence, your social media profiles. Look at it from the perspective of both the visual images and the messaging. Review how you land work today. What do you do and say in your discovery meetings, your proposals, your pricing, and review how do you deliver results? What do you do? What value do you create? How many hours do you work? And then ask yourself the hard questions. How are you positioning yourself? Are you a pair of hands, surrogate leader, or a strategic partner? And then think about what do you want to do to enhance your strategic positioning if that is what you want to do? One action from this audit that you could take is definitely to join my Purpose to Profits Academy. This is a brand new group coaching, training, mastermind experience, and it is designed for new and seasoned consultants and coaches. And my goal is to give you all the strategies, the skills, the tools, the confidence that you need to bring your dream business to life and to position you to get seen and paid as that expert that you are. Now, the core of this program is is this personalized group coaching and my goal is to help you build a business and a brand and a strategy so that you can you know carve out that positioning right away but i don't stop there i give you all kinds of stuff to make sure that you have everything that you need to implement your strategy so you'll get e-courses templates tools swipe files all kinds of things that you need in order to create a website or write content to run your discovery meetings, close the deal, all of that is included. So to learn more, head on over to www.betsyjordan.com forward slash academy. Early bird pricing is available now, so definitely want to jump in if you're interested. Next time, I'm going to be continuing my Organizational Consulting 101 series, and I'm going to be taking you through what I would call a solution safari through the top consulting solutions and techniques that every consultant who wants to work with organizations should know about. So definitely go ahead and hit subscribe now wherever you're listening, and be sure to let your colleagues know about the series if they aspire to consulting to the C-suite. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review enough already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at betsyjordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y and you'll learn all about our end-to-end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.